0: through your work week it's a wednesday an acoustic wednesday here on the ep podcast i'm austin horton thanks for tuning in each and every day really appreciate it i'm having a blast by the way doing this podcast so thank you so much to the uh six of you that are listening i'm just kidding but thanks to everyone who's tuning in sharing uh, the podcast sending it out uh, reviewing it liking it Uh, Giving me feedback. It's helpful. I appreciate it, and it's fun to hear from each of you. Uh, I am still looking for a guest for next week's Military Monday. So if you know a a military veteran or a family member of a military veteran, let me know. I'm on Twitter at Austin Horton, or better yet, send me an email, Austin.Horton at 1280thezone.com. H O R T O N on Horton, like the elephant. All right, uh, we got a lot to talk about today NBA, baseball. Uh, There's a state in the Mountain West region that is uh, allowing professional sports to begin this week, and uh, also a historical moment in sports that is looking to be overturned, and uh, I've got a a couple things to share about that, and excited uh, to talk about that as well. And Acoustic Wednesday, yeah, I love acoustic music, and uh, last weekend I had the opportunity to happen upon one of my favorite bands doing a live uh, acoustic set on Facebook, and I'll share a bit of that with you later in the podcast. But let's get going. Let's start things off with today in sports history. May 13, 1958, Stan the Man Musial got his 3,000th hit of his career uh, taking a picture of the Chicago Cubs, Mo Drabowski, uh, a 5-3, uh, excuse me, 5-3 Cardinals win at Wrigley Field that day. Mujul was the first player to reach this milestone with an extra base hit. Also, May 13, 2010, 10 years ago today, the original Yankee Stadium was demolished. The Cathedral of Baseball, as it was called, served as the home for the Yankees, football's New York Giants, and numerous championship fights, as well as hosting dignitaries like the Pope, the Beatles the Queen, on and on and on. Uh, And born this day in 1961, happy birthday to the worm. Dennis Rodman, born in Trenton, New Jersey, won five NBA titles, one with the Pistons and and four with the Chicago Bulls, had 11,954 rebounds during his 14 seasons, and he is in in the Hall of Fame. By the way, those 11,954 rebounds... Nowhere near the top of the list. That's 23rd in NBA history. Uh, Karl Malone had nearly 4,000 more in his career. He's seventh. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar at third, 17,440. And then in a class of their own, Bill Russell second, 21,620. And alone at the top, no one I think will ever touch this uh, record Maybe, uh, you know, we'll see what Rudy Gobert does going forward. But 23,924 career rebounds for Wilt the Stilt Chamberlain. There you go. This day in sports history, May 13. All right, let's jump into what we're going to talk about today. We'll start with the NBA because that seems to be the biggest news of note right now. The Board of Governors call yesterday uh, yielded a lot more optimism than in recent days, according to Adrian Wojnarowski and other reporters. This coming on the heels of last week's uh, call with the players between the Adam Silver and uh, health officials. the NBA players. Adam Silver, according to participants on a board of governors, Uh, The the meeting went so well that those leaving the call felt uh, an increase in positivity about the league's momentum toward a resumption of play this season, says Adrian Wojnarowski. Owners and execs on the call were encouraged about the league's progress toward minimizing health risk upon a return and the league office's positive conversations with the Basketball Players Association about the players' desire to eventually restart the season. Uh, the discussions are reportedly centered on health and safety concerns, including the goal of getting team officials and players comfortable with the idea that a positive test for the coronavirus upon a return would not shut play. Silver so told those on the call that if a positive test would, quote, shut us down, we probably shouldn't go down this path, close quote. So, uh, which is a- he's absolutely 100% correct. If the concern is that one positive test is going to cause everyone to not want to continue play, then they probably should not resume play until there's a vaccine, which would be a long, long time from now. Relatively long time. I mean, uh, time is is relative, right? So if it's a year from now, perhaps that's quick in the medical field standards. That's a long time from now from a sports radio host viewpoint, if you know what I mean. So if they're going to be afraid because of one positive test then they probably should not start uh, the season again until they have a vaccine in place and i agree with silver on that now the reason that they would not shy away from one positive test is hopefully they've got enough tests in place that if they catch that they catch the positive test uh before it spreads too much perhaps it has only uh, had contact with five to ten people rather than you know, 20 to 50 people, and that way they'd be able to control it. Among those, uh, Along those lines, I should say, Silver was asked about what is meant by so-called bubble city play, and he said it would be like a campus environment with one or two locations for players. The focus, obviously, on Orlando's Walt Disney World Epcot Center Resort and Las Vegas. The NBA also shared with owners several factors that it plans to study over the next two to four weeks before deciding on restarting the league, including, quote, understanding the trajectory of new cases in those states starting to reopen, understanding who is getting severely ill and why, and developments in testing types. They're also looking at how other leagues are handling positive tests among participants. Uh, all, all on the call, though, the league office wasn't optimistic about rapid response testing becoming widely available within the next month. Uh, But this means there's a growing confidence among the owners on the call, especially when it comes to how players are responding to the return to practice facilities. Uh, The league believes it will have 22 of its 30 facilities open by next Monday. And the league office described to owners how leagues in the U.S. and across the world are handling a return to play, especially detailing overseas leagues such as the Premier League, La Liga, and the Chinese Basketball Association. So, while the NBA would like to be the first professional sports league in North America to return and to lead out, as to use Adam Silver's term, uh, I think they'll probably – it's going to be close between them and baseball. Baseball's going to get started, it looks like, uh, most likely, in the first part of July, and we'll talk about the returns on the players' call that they held yesterday in just a moment. Uh, but it, I, I would still suspect – the end of June to the first or second week of July, we'll see NBA basketball resume. Where, when, and how is now continuing to become more clear. It's likely going to be in one or two locations. I don't think it's going to be half the league. Uh, uh, or, or I'm sorry, I, yeah. What I mean is, I think half the league is going to miss out on the uh, end of this of the regular season. Here is with all for all intents and purposes, perhaps. Perhaps they do have all 30 teams play, but they allow entire G League teams to take uh, part uh, for teams like the Warriors or whoever else that aren't going to be qualifying for the playoffs Uh, because I I believe in the CBA, the bylaw states that a, a season to be deemed full has to have played 70 regular season games and right now we're around that 60-game mark for most teams. Now, I don't know if that's 70 games have to be played for every team, for just one team, for the average of the league. I don't know. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what that what that means uh, and how many games will have to be played for to be deemed a full season. They could also amend that and have the Players Union agree to call it a full season without having played the full 70-game slate. But we'll see uh, how that goes down. In any case... All indications continue to grow that basketball will be back. Uh, hopefully, by the end of next month is my guess, uh, and and that's the the current situation there. So that's good news. It's again like we talked about with the opening of practice facilities. These are baby steps. These are uh, preliminary talks. These are preliminary decisions or or topics being brought forth before they make any decisions. They want to have all the options discussed and weighed out before they just sign off on something, uh, especially given what the UFC uh, is in trouble for today. If you missed it, the UFC held uh, a fight uh, last Saturday, and they did have a, a fighter, Ronaldo Jokera Souza, uh, and his cornerman who tested positive for COVID-19, and that fight with Uriah Hall was pulled from the fight card. Everyone else on the UFC uh, 249 card tested negative for the disease, and they went forward with the event. And all staff and other personnel on the site were also tested and returned negative results, including the broadcasters. Now, Joe Rogan, Daniel Cormier, and John Anik were not allowed to sit near each other during their commentating. They were spread apart. But they were also supposed to not be allowed to do in-Octagon interviews uh, uh, after, before, or during the fight, obviously. And Joe Rogan made some comments about social distancing that have raised some white fla- or red flags and have people uh, all up in arms. So they, they are getting in a bit of trouble here because Joe Rogan then entered the arena, the octagon, after the event and uh, interviewed the, the winners. And that was supposed to not be allowed. So the UFC, they had a good plan in place. But then kind of violated it. And what the NBA wants to avoid is exactly that. Now, look, these are different uh, entities entirely from philosophy, politically, uh, all across the board between the UFC and the NBA and how they go about their businesses. Uh, but uh, what you so I don't think you'd see a, uh, an NBA as brazen as the UFC has been, but you want to avoid that at all costs, certainly if you are the NBA. So there you go, good news. Some, uh, some positivity coming from the world of the National Basketball Association for all of us that hope to see basketball resume soon. While we're talking about player calls and decisions ahead for professional sports leagues, let's move over to the Major League Baseball multi-hour meeting that took place on Tuesday between MLB and the Players Association, which was being called a first step in addressing the complex issues facing a restart for the sport amid the pandemic. Uh, The items discussed uh, on on the call included logistics for a second spring training, potential rule changes, roster sizes, and transaction rules, and a good bulk of the meeting, according to Jesse Rogers of ESPN, revolved around COVID-19 testing protocols, including contact tracing and response procedures in case of positive tests. Details for much of the health and safety concerns will be relayed to the association in the coming days." They also talked about ballpark access procedures, health and safety issues away from the ballpark. Once all the health concerns are addressed, many in baseball feel the the next biggest hurdle will uh, be about the economics that are at play. Now, the Players Association believes that this is a moot point as they uh, already agreed, which shocked me to learn this. They agreed in March to a pro-rated salary, which will pay their players rather than for the season per game played. So if you play a game, you get paid X amount for every game you play. Uh, What the owners are then suggesting on top of that now, as we talked about yesterday on the podcast, is a 50-50 revenue split, which the Players Association views as putting a salary cap on things, and they will never agree to a salary cap. Uh, And the the reason for this is Rob Manfred said the gate, parking, tickets, merchandise, on and on and on, everything in and around the stadium on game day accounts for 40% of the revenue to baseball. And if they're going to have games without fans, I know that the UFC said that they lost $5.5 million holding that fight last weekend without any fans. I can't imagine what baseball loses every single day even if they do cut the season in half to 82 games uh, from 164. They're still going to be losing tons and tons of money, but they'll make some, which is better than none, but they are going to, every professional sports and college sports league is going to take a bath financially, unless they just are, are, are doing it absolutely wrong and filling the stadiums with people right now. So anyway, uh, baseball, the owners, they want a 50-50 split on that. The players, I'll be shocked if they ever agree to anything like that. I would bet that they would not go lower than 70-30 on that split if they even compromise at all. So we'll see how that goes. But I still think that those situations can and will be brushed up and, uh, and polished off, and we're going to see baseball in the first part of July. I, I think it's all but a lock right now. Unless we have something catastrophic like another huge wave of the pandemic come across. But if the numbers continue trending as they have been right now, which are not great, but they're moving in the right direction. This this is May 13th. By July 5th, you should be able to have some baseball games without people in the stands, I believe, I think. So good news. We had the NBA news moving towards progress. Now we've got baseball moving towards progress. It seems to be a bit of a unintended, and this is not how they mean it, but it seems to be a bit of a race to see who can get back first, Major League Baseball or the National Basketball Association. Now we do know one thing, that any professional sport in Arizona has been cleared to hold games and participate in, Uh, Starting this coming Saturday, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey has opened the door for professional sports to return to the state. He said yesterday that professional sports, from Major League Baseball to the NBA to the NHL and NFL, can resume without fans this Saturday, May 16th. The state is starting to reopen during the ongoing pandemic, and Ducey said on social media that Arizona is trending in the right direction. Uh, other sports such as basketball and hockey have considered playing the remainder of their regular seasons in hubs, with several teams playing in one location. Uh, but uh, Rob Manfred was open to hosting games in Arizona last month, and uh, that seems to still be the case. We'll see if baseball uh, does return. They'll, if they're going to be in every city uh, that uh, in in the states that will allow them to play. If not the governor of Arizona has said, yep, come on down here. We're open to business uh, for Major League Baseball, NBA, NFL, NHL, and whoever else wants to get going. So for those of us that are hopeful that we'll see professional sports resume, Arizona seems to be a friendly spot right now for us in those hopes. Let's take our Acoustic Wednesday break right here now because uh, along those lines of what Arizona is doing, I want to – Share something that I saw Steve Starks, CEO of the LHM Group of Companies, share on Twitter uh, this morning. uh, A list from Forbes of the 10 uh, best and worst cities that they anticipate will rebound, how they'll rebound from this pandemic. And where does uh, cities in Utah, there are two cities in Utah on the list. Are they in the good, the bad? We'll tell you about it coming up after Acoustic Wednesday here. But if you don't know who the band May is, it's an acronym, M-A-E, and it stands for Multisensory Aesthetic Experience. Uh, it, it's a, a rock band based pretty much in Virginia. Uh, their drummer uh, went to uh, Old Dominion University. And anyway, they, 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 how they came to be was Jacob Marshall and Dave Elkins, they, they just started writing a song called Embers and Envelopes in Marshall's living room. And uh, they put it together. They it happened real quick. They went out on warp tour. They toured the country. They kind of uh, were a quick catching fire meteor across the music sky, and then it burned out rather quickly as well. But in my college days, May was a big, big thing. And this past weekend, I was you know scrolling through Facebook like like you do, and I saw that here was Dave Elkins live on May's Facebook page doing a live acoustic set from his basement in Nashville. And, man, I had the greatest time just sitting there listening to some of these great songs. His very unique, kind of uh, whiny... Is how his voice has been described, but I don't, I wouldn't call it whiny because that's got a negative connotation. Uh, it's its just very unique, and, and you'll hear it here in a moment. But here he was sitting there just with a piano and his guitar and a microphone, just chilling in his basement uh, uh, music room in Nashville and hitting me with the feel goods and the nostalgia. So I wanted to share one of the songs from that set that he played. And it's probably their best-known, uh, uh, most-followed or, or recognized song from their best-selling album, The Everglow. The song is called The Everglow. Here is Dave Elkins of the band May.
1: Hey, here's the night. And it shines. Oh, wait. I talk so long. Let's try it again. Here's the night. And it shines And it calls us on and on To so be here by my side And we'll watch the stars They're ours Make a wish or just take charge The moment comes, get lost and go far All right. go for something this is where we win and we'll take the game no blame there's a neon light and inside
2: Whoa, whoa,
1: whoa, sing it. Yeah, our hearts.
0: So you see what I mean by his unique voice. It's not the cleanest or prettiest of, of deliveries, but that's what I love about acoustic music is it's imperfect at times. I, I love the idea of live acoustic music because you get the real, raw, true emotion from somebody and you may not get the uh, auto-tune that the kids love these days. So there you go, May, M-A-E, check them out. Uh, I might I would also recommend, highly recommend the song Embers and Envelopes as mentioned before, if you get a second, or Sick Temper tyrannis, uh, from another one of their uh, uh, albums. All right, back to sports now. The Forbes magazine has uh, ranked the 10 U.S. cities that are best positioned and worst positioned to recover from coronavirus, thanks to Steve Stark, CEO of LHM Group of Companies, for tweeting this out and bringing this to my attention. Among the 10 best cities are small college towns which are particularly well-poised for a recovery. According to Durham, North Carolina and Madison, Wisconsin, could enjoy a surge in growth in the years to come, said Adam Kimmis senior regional economist at Moody's Analytics and the author of the report. Fast-growing tech hubs in the West and South will also lead the, in the post-coronavirus era, according to this uh, paper. Silicon Valley is nobody's idea of an up-and-coming area, but there is a notable contrast between the San Jose metro area with its sprawling tech campuses and tightly packed San Francisco, says Cammons, who notes that Raleigh, North Carolina could also prove to be more attractive in a new post-COVID-19 world. Cities that were fast-growing pre-coronavirus will continue their rise, he says. Denver and Salt Lake City are well-positioned to retake their crown as two of the fastest rising metro areas in the united states while washington dc is one of the more densely populated metro areas in the nation its highly educated workforce and even its architecture will pay off he says its long-standing height limit on buildings will help leave it in better shape than the rest of the region other cities on the top 10 uh, best cities to uh, best position to recover from coronavirus include boise durham tucson and Provo, Utah. So two cities from the state of Utah on the 10 cities best positioned to recover from coronavirus, according to Forbes, including Salt Lake City and Provo. Now, the 10 worst cities, are 10 cities that are worst positioned to recover include New York, Philadelphia, New Haven, Connecticut, Detroit, Honolulu, Los Angeles, Miami, McAllen, Texas, Tampa, Florida, and Stockton, California. Uh, The complete 10 best cities list is Boise, Denver, Durham, Madison, Provo, Raleigh, Salt Lake City, San Jose, Tucson, and Washington, D.C. So good news there for Salt Lake City and Provo uh, on the list, uh, according to Forbes, of the 10 cities best positioned to bounce back after the pandemic. Finally today, I want to draw your attention to one of my... Most hated and beloved, it's a bittersweet memory uh, of my baseball memories, Armando Galarraga, Detroit Tigers pitcher from Venezuela. The date was June 2nd, 2010, and you probably, if you're a baseball fan, remember it well. He uh, he had retired 26 straight batters against the Cleveland Indians, and Jason Donald was the 27th batter of the of the evening. He slapped a grounder. uh, to uh, Miguel Cabrera at first base that took him to his right towards second. Miguel Cabrera fielded the ball cleanly, made a diamond of a throw to Galarraga, rushing over to cover first base, who caught the ball, stepped on the base, and seemingly was in time to record the 27th straight out, which would complete a perfect game. Well, first base umpire, veteran Jim Joyce, Signaled Donald safe immediately. Donald put his hands on his head. Miguel Cabrera put his hands on his head. Armando Galarraga stared in disbelief. Uh, Sandus Alomar, the first base coach for the Indians, turned away, embarrassed. Oh, from the turned away from the play, embarrassed for the call. And video replay immediately, without, uh, without any argument, uh, showed physical. Perfect evidence that Galarraga had, in fact, beaten Donald to the bag with plenty of time before Donald even started his last step uh, down towards the bag, and it should have been an out. Jim Joyce, you'll recall, immediately after, in fact, uh, right there on the field, Jim Leland, the manager of the Tigers, came out there and was livid with Joyce, and Joyce let him just say whatever he wanted because Joyce knew, and you can read his lips at the time that he blew it he blew the call and he could not overturn it and baseball had not yet installed replay challenge Uh, and so they had to stay with it the next batter was retired and it was a imperfect perfect game for Armando Galarraga that night Jim Joyce stood up like a man and spoke answered every question the media had for him owned his mistake he was brought to tears he and Armando Galarraga got together Galarraga Uh, forgave him the next night, the next day, Galarraga delivered the uh, lineup card to Jim Joyce, who is now behind the plate as home plate umpire. It was a really uh, interesting moment because Galarraga had every right to be upset and mad, and this obviously altered his career. He was out of baseball a year later and done uh, as a professional baseball player. Worked his whole life for this moment, and Jim Joyce's mistake took it away from him. Uh, Well, it was a great moment and a good example of not letting uh, a a sport, even though it was what he worked towards his whole life for, it's still sports. And Galarraga, I think, and Jim Joyce handled themselves well in that moment. Well, fast forward to uh, yesterday and Armando Galarraga, and he's right, and he's not doing this uh, in a petty way, but he is petitioning uh, Major League Baseball to recognize that as a perfect game, he told the athletic, Why not? Why wait for so long? I don't want to die. And then they'll be like, You know what? He did throw a perfect game and change it. Uh, there have been 23 official perfect games in Major League Baseball. In my book, there have been 24, frankly. Uh, but there isn't, baseball is not going to do much of this. Uh, they, in 1991, they updated its definition of a perfect game saying that a pitcher must complete the game for the effort to be recognized on and on and on, but they've not yet uh, ever made a decision to retroactively go back and change an official score scorebook decision. Uh, and, and you know what they should, this, this is, there is no argument, uh, physical science argument argument to to say that he did not record that 27th out in time he did it was a missed call by the umpire and that's too bad that he missed the call but they have their the power to overturn that and in the history books say now this was a perfect game they won't it'll never happen but Galarraga is right they should and in my opinion there's been 24 perfect games not 23 that's going to do it for a wednesday edition of the ep podcast thank you for joining me i am austin horton i am excited to bring you a throwaway thursday tomorrow we got a big day today on the big show so make sure you tune into that uh, we'll have uh, david Locke, utah jazz uh, play-by-play voice among other guests with us today on a wednesday so make sure you stop on by uh that'll do it i'll talk to you tomorrow until then be good to each other Now for the laugh of the day.
3: (laughs) What's new? What have you been up to this summer? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's been pretty exciting, this whole process. (sighs) When did you make your decision? This morning. What was the process
4: you used to make your decision? I used a magic eight ball. I used a regular eight ball. I asked Jeeves. Do you have any doubts about your decision? I have five doubts. How hard was it? make this decision
3: in some ways it was incredibly hard and in other ways it was just very hard and who have you already told about your decision everybody
4: who haven't you told just you I'm the only person on earth you haven't told yes did you tell vice president Joe Biden I just got off the phone with him what about little Wayne
3: he was the first person that I told
4: what about Tito Ortiz
3: I don't know who that is.
4: He's an extreme fighter. He's got a shaved head, wrestled at Cal State Bakersfield. Oh, yes. Yeah, I told him. Did you tell television's Susan Lucci? I did. You told Susan Lucci? She
3: called and wanted to know. So I'm going to be the last person you tell? Not necessarily. I might not tell you. Please tell me. Ask me again. Please, tell me. Okay, I'll tell you. Thank you. I've decided, this is tough, I have decided I am going to take my appetite to the Outback Steakhouse. You will be eating dinner at the Outback Steakhouse? That is correct.
4: Let me ask you, did you ever
3: consider Fuddruckers?
4: Yes. Olive Garden? Yes. What about Ruby Tuesdays? Ruby Tuesdays was last week. And how do you explain that to the staff and management at Chili's?
3: What a good run. With chilies. And in a perfect world, I would be eating at Chili's constantly. But tonight, there's no rules. Just right. Outback Steakhouse.
4: I don't believe you.
3: Here's my reasoning there's a lot of good food at the Outback. I felt like that's where I could do the most eating. And I feel confident in my decision to go there.
4: Steve, do you think you'll ever be able to repair those
3: relationships with those other restaurants? Well, just as long as I have a good relationship with the man above, I think I'm okay. And who is the man above? The guy who lives in the condo upstairs from me. Really? Oh, okay. Uh, apparently, uh, I have a letter here from the president of Chili's. Warren P. Chili? That's right. Please don't read that. We are very
4: disappointed in so-called lover of food, Steve Carell, and this next part is all caps. I personally guarantee that his meal will make him gassy.
3: I'm fine with that. I knew that was a risk going in, but ultimately I just felt like Outback had the Bloomin' Onion and I needed to go there. Well, you heard it here first.
4: Steve Carell is taking his appetite to Outback Steakhouse. It's an awful lot to digest. How much time do we have left? 58 minutes? What's your favorite color?
3: I like purple. We'll be right back.